Thanks for downloading the 24th in our series of episodes of the C-Suite podcast that we're recording in partnership with the European PR agency Taito and their own Without Borders podcast, where we are interviewing leaders of unicorn companies to find out about the key issues, pain points and challenges that startups face and how they can address them with a strategic approach to marketing and communications. My name is Russell Goldsmith and my co-host for this episode is Taito's senior partner, Holly Justice. And today we're thrilled to be joined online from Tel Aviv by Tom Livney, uh, CEO and founder of Verbit, a company that employs the largest professional captioner workforce in the world and has emerged as the leader in the $30 billion transcription industry. Uh, Founded in 2017, Verbit reached a unicorn status in June 2021 after securing $157 million in Series D funding and uh, now has a valuation of over $2 billion. Welcome to the show, Tom. Can we start by you giving us a quick overview of your company and, and also why it's so relevant today? Hi, Russell. Hi, everyone. Thanks for hosting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I always feel lucky that I can say in three words what is Verbit. Verbit is the world's largest AI-powered transcription platform. We employ almost 600 people. We founded the company, as you said, only five years ago. We we raised more than $600 million from tier one investors and, and growing rapidly. We kind of uh, specialize in each industry, you know, if it's education, legal, media. So we provide uh, eventually professional transcription solutions. And, you know, why it's needed in those days? Because, you know, we are maybe a bit after the COVID pandemic, right? But uh, everyone was talking about in COVID about digital transformation, right? When you, you were learning remotely and then you still need to have the transcription, etc. So we were... Uh, the go-to company that help all those companies to comply with the regulation of accessibility, etc. And in general, all this digital transformation, this is exactly uh, what we're doing. We're doing a big existing market that operate manually and transforming it to the digital world. And Tom, I think I'm right in saying you, you started off your professional career as a lawyer, not in the IT sector at all. So so how did you make that transition into tech and specifically in, in the AI sector? You know, as you said, I started my career as a lawyer and I was facing the transcription problem while I was a lawyer. So eventually my eagerness to solve the problem was from being a frustrated customer. So I had my own pain and I said, okay, it's have to be a better way, right? And in general, you know, as an entrepreneur, when you're looking for a problem to solve, you're looking for a problem with high friction, low efficiency, where you can bring technology and literally change it around to make it uh, much more efficient and, you know, frictionless with just click of a button. Think about, for instance, what Uber did for the taxi industry. You know, before Uber, you had to call to a taxi, and then uh, you had to go down and wait to get wet at the rain, then to tell the taxi where to go, and they will hear different places, will go different location, and then you have to pay them to get the change back. So it was really many friction, not efficient, right? So today, just with one click, you can get everything done. So then, you know, as a frustrated customer, I understand that the transcription is outdated, manual, a lot of friction, low efficiency. And I just said, okay, I want to apply technology to kind of revolutionize the market. And when you're talking about automation and digital transformation, usually it's driven by AI. And this is how I, I found myself establishing Verbit five years. And again, never imagined, even if our wildest dream that will be in five years, 
where we are today with more than 2,500 enterprise customers, etc. So, you know, really excited about our journey. And the good thing that we're not getting started, you know, in the first five years, you know, we worked hard and then reaching more than 100 million in annual recurring revenue. And, and in the next five years, we're aiming to be a billion dollar revenue. This is how we were thinking about it. What's happened in the first five years? What should happen in the next five years? So really looking forward to the journey ahead because the market is, is there. We just need to consolidate it with our technology and our strategy and uh, its execution risk, what I call it. And you mentioned there, Tom, some of the many successes that, that you have achieved since launching Verbit, from building the, the team to 600 people, offices internationally. What are some of the key lessons you've learned over the last five years? So the, the number one lesson, you have to do something you're really passionate about, it, right? So before Verbit, I had another company in the cybersecurity space. I have zero background that related to cybersecurity, and I didn't have the passion, and this is why it didn't succeed so well. And with Verbit, as I said, I was really the frustrated customer. It made it really easy. And to be an entrepreneur, we need a lot of luck and things to, to get together to, to be successful. So uh, there are certain characteristics you need to have. And it's not a trivial decision to be an entrepreneur. So if you want to go for something, so you need to be patient. And the number one lesson is like it's all about the people. You cannot build a company alone. So your decision around who you're going to start your company with, who you're going to hire for the management team, when you identify that, okay, this person that I hired three years ago is not longer good enough like to take us to the next level. We say, okay, five years, we reach to where we are, and then in the next five years, we want to be billion revenue. So all the time you're looking at the management team, are there the right people to help me drive the company to the next level? Right? So all the time you need to really work with the great people and give them the, the freedom to operate like okay we aligned on the goal and everything and but because they are much better than you in their domain in general in other tip is like always hire people you would work for them right so when I'm talking about people with people so oh would I would like to work for this guy or girl we are more than 60% women yesterday was the international women day so uh, you know verbit uh, we have more than 60% of our employees are women. So uh, it's great. But uh, going back to this, so always hire people you would work for for them. Just picking up on what you just said there about having the cybersecurity business that didn't work. Do you think that has helped in making Verbit a success by, by having one company that, that wasn't so successful? Yeah, yeah. so I think I, I learned a ton from my previous company and uh, I think all those learning helped me to, when I started Verbit to avoid those mistakes but like really really quickly you came out of the comfort zone right so like for instance now everything that I'm doing I'm doing it for the first time I never managed a company with more than almost 600 people with more than 2,500 customers and that valuation and that kind of growth etc right so you know okay so then it, it really helped you to f build the fundamentals, the foundation, right? But then once you kind of outperform what you did in the previous one, so then it's everything you're doing for the first time. And thinking about those foundational pieces, what would you say is the most critical foundational step in building a company that's going to endure the long term? 
I think it's um, find the product market fit and getting your team right, right? Like, and right for this stage, right? Because, you know, there are certain people that are good for like very, very early, like building chaotic environment, etc. And people are more scaling the business, right? So like you really need to understand the type of people you want to bring to the business. Tom, I mentioned in the intro, it only took you like four years to reach unicorn status. Has has getting to that milestone has that has that changed the perception of the business in any way no just like a good reason to celebrate that you know we've been working hard for four years and reached this milestone it doesn't mean anything i just mean that there are a lot of investors that believe in us and think that as you mentioned this 30 billion dollar market opportunity is really there and that we are the winner that's going to consolidate that this is what it means that uh, they checked our technology think that we have the best technology in the market that we have this product market fit that I mentioned earlier. So like the definition for product market fit maybe is that like the average salesperson in the company is selling to average customer. And what does it mean that, okay, as a founder, you always need to be an NCO, the, the best salesperson of the company, right? If you sell to investors, you sell to employees, you sell to customers, etc. So, you know, yeah, so you know how to sell, you should know how to sell. And um, and then if like a, just a, an AE, right, random account executive selling to really typical customer and really doing it repeatedly, so okay, you have a product market fit. And then, okay, you need to press on the gas and really scale that. Uh, and your question regarding that, so as I said, this was a good reason to to celebrate, we were happy, but we also understand the responsibility and what are the expectations from us and how we need to, to deliver and really keep growing the, the business. And you mentioned you know, just how many clients you've got. If I've got my research right, they include the likes of CNN, Fox, the London Business School, Harvard University. What we we're keen to understand is how, you know, in terms of convincing new clients to choose your products and services over your competitors, how, how do you achieve that? Yes, I think eventually when you're coming to choose your provider in our space, so you usually look at, okay, how much they are charging, what is the price, how fast is the turnaround time, and uh, what like is the accuracy level looks like? Do they have unlimited capacity so we can scale with them? Is their platform is well secured? And like, is it easy to use, right? So if you check all one of those parameters and, you know, each companies have, uh, uh, or each customer have their own criteria or like, okay, for them, price is the most important, for them, accuracy is the most important, and for them, uh, capacity and unlimited usage is the most important. So each one kind of ranking that. And, you know, eventually if you go one by one, right, and choose it, you know, we're going to be number one in everything because of our technology. So we invested, I think it's over a lot of millions of dollars, let's put it uh, this way, uh, into our technology. And, and then because of the technology, okay, so it's 90% being done by machine and just the last mile, 10% being done by human. And therefore, our cost structure is better. Therefore, our turnaround will be faster, right? Because then the AI is doing the job like quickly and then it's really much easier to just correct the less 10% rather than to write everything for, from scratch so you'll be faster. Then in terms of the accuracy, yeah, the machine, there is no bad day. Once you train your technology and your AI for this customer, for this specific use case, then the AI will be better and the accuracy will be more consistent. 
We invested a lot in the integration and to make the ease of use of the product. Unlimited scale, right? Because of our technology and everything, we have unlimited scale. We invested a lot also to be the most secure platform with HIPAA compliance SOC 2. So then when you go into each one of those uh, criteria, we will definitely going to be the number one. So this could be a no-brainer for uh, every new customer to choose Verbit. Very good. And thank you for battling through the sirens going off in the background there. Um, Sorry, Holly, back to you. That's all right. So you're involved in a business where AI is is crucial, as you've just mentioned, to the the growth and the success of Verbit. Yet you also have a huge team of transcribers working for the company. So I was just quite interested to get your view on the topic of machines versus humans that is, is quite often closely discussed alongside the growth of AI. How have you seen AI affecting the work of humans and, and what are your predictions for the future? Yeah, this is a really, really great question. So I think eventually, I think there are people that are afraid from AI, that it's like this automation going to replace them and eliminate them from their job. I don't think this is the case. And, you know, this is also not our strategy. And the way we are thinking about it is how the AI can make the human more productive, right? So, for instance, okay, if you need to transcribe this podcast, I say if you're going to sit down, listen to it, and type it from scratch, okay, you're going to have a lot of more manual work. If, like, the AI going to give it the 90% accuracy, because you hear, for instance, my terrible Israeli accent, right? So accent is a really tough problem to handle with AI for, for speech. So I'm pretty sure the AI won't get it 100% correctly. And then, okay, you're already getting automated transcript with like very easy to use machine human interface and much really optimized to do so so then it's, it's just making it more productive easier and you can complete more transcript this way so i think that the the role of ai is how we can really optimize and improve and make the the human more productive it's uh, how i think about it. because in area that require 100 percent accuracy like, like we need in transcription So there is no AI, in my point of view, that can get it to 100% accuracy. Did it take you some time to get that balance right between kind of how much a human should get involved in reviewing the content? I think this is our constant challenge and how we can improve the level of automation to make the, the human life easier, right? So like to reduce their involvement, to make their life easier. So they will get better and sometimes it really depends in our case with the audio quality right so now if the recording is, is is sucks and you have a lot of background noise and everything it will make it much much more difficult for any human being to transcribe it so the same is making it much more difficult to the machine to transcribe it and and tom as we record this episode we're coming towards the end of the first quarter of 2022 what's next for verbit what have you got planned for now, we operate only in, in three main verticals and we want to enter into new verticals. We want to expand our footprint in geographical, like uh, to, you know, different uh, countries, different regions, different languages that we transcribe, different use cases, different verticals, as I said earlier. So a lot of growth ahead. So it's mainly um, keeping the culture and the team that are really motivated and enjoying to work with us and then to make the customer happy to support them make our shareholder happy and then to kind of uh, 
And I think eventually in this time frame, we're also going to go public. And also, you know, part of our growth strategy is, is acquiring manual related transcription businesses and kind of help them with our technology to perform better. So we're really excited about the strategy and uh, looking forward to do more of those uh, M&As we just announced last week on the additional deal and we have a few in the pipeline. Fantastic. Uh, you just mentioned culture uh, just then, Tom. I, w- I want to come on to that. It's one of the things that, that we're keen to talk about, culture and also communications. I, I guess on, on the first of that, in terms of, of the comms, I mean, we talked about you differentiating between your competitors, but what, what I was keen to understand is, is what your approach is to raising awareness of, of Verbit. Sure. So I think this is also related to our culture and to uh, really critical areas that we're focusing on. One, we have 35,000 freelancers that work for Verbit from more than 120 countries. And we are getting emails on a weekly basis because of Verbit. We have the ability to feed our family, take care of our kids, right? So for me, it's really heartwarming. And when I see those emails, it's kind of really motivates me to keep like doing what we're doing and, and to create more jobs from people to work from home, right? So this is one and the second is around accessibility, right? So think if there are deaf people that want to uh, uh, listen to their podcast, right? They, they can't, right? Only if they're going to have a full transcript so they can read, okay, they can really enjoy the content the same as the other people that are listening to us right now. So we help people with disability, mainly hard of hearing or deaf, you know, to enjoy verbal content the same as me and you uh, are enjoying it, right? So, like, for me, when I was choosing the name Verbit, I had in mind, like, okay, if you want to search something on the web, Google it, right? So then, if there is something you want to do that related to any verbal information, just Verbit. And this was, like, the hot moment for me with, with the name, and the uh, rest is, is history. Very good. And and in terms of that culture, then, obviously, the company's grown quite considerably over a period of time where people have been well i mean you've got transcribers working everywhere but obviously employees as well working remotely how how do you build a company culture over that period of time particularly when it can sometimes be difficult when people aren't together to get that culture across can't it so how have you achieved that over over the last couple of years it's a constant effort it's not like something that's just happening and and that's it. But I think it's all start from the head, like literally starting from me around how my work ethic and how do I behave. And, and then this is like really affect the people that I hire in the C-level that report directly to me, feel the energy, feel the dynamics. And then they want to see that they're actually connected to it. And then like those are the kind of people they're hiring, the questions that we are Asking the potential employees in the interview are related to that to check if this is something that, um, you know, they will enjoy. But eventually it's all about doing good, doing well, help people with disability, create more jobs from from home, right? Uh, uh, so this is like a key area uh, of focus. And, uh, and also for us is... Uh, is, is around uh, enjoying the, the process, right? So like, okay, we're working hard, like work hard, play hard, etc. But we really want to make sure that we, we are enjoying and having fun to work together and eventually we're going to win. We're putting ourselves ambitious goals, but we want to make sure that we actually 
delivering on it and actually everyone is really excited and humble and really want to keep working hard and execute and again start seeing for me I'm working very hard for many years and you know they see how I still really care about uh, my, my baby which is, is verbit and it's all like okay there's so many things to do and they kind of get into it and really like the, the dynamic and allowing themselves eventually to be best version of themselves, also looking on myself or the other management team or any employees. So we want to make sure that our employees are really giving 100% of themselves and allowing to them to get better, get more responsibility to be promoted, etc. And, and building that excitement and that really important culture that you've just mentioned there, I suppose a big part of that is internal comms. And I just wondered, how do you navigate that need to communicate with individuals or parts of the company versus addressing the whole team, particularly if you think that you've got um, remote workers, a team that's geographically quite spread out? How do you balance that? So I think, you know, we are having once a month all hand meetings to all of our employees from all the locations over Zoom to make them connected and then we kind of updating them and the situation on the business and allowing them to ask questions etc so really uh, sharing with them everything is going positively uh, and even negatively in the company so like they need to be aware to everything because they are part of us and you know need to uh, be aware to everything so this is one but eventually it's all about the tools right so like okay if uh, using zoom using slack uh, using email right so I have weekly meeting with like my direct reports, right? That I'm kind of uh, having them weekly on the agenda. We have a weekly management meeting, uh, and then we're kind of thinking on on everything. And eventually, each manager have their own styles on you know how they want to manage the team. And I give them the you know the flexibility and the freedom to do so. We just need to make sure we aligned on the goals and going to execute and. Uh, and yeah, so, so like we, we invest a lot in, in communication, right? So we need to make sure that uh, the employees feel, feel part of the, of the company, of the family, right? As you said, like now working remote. So sometimes we're doing those kind of activities online via Zoom, right? So like you find a creative ways to uh, make them engage, etc. And, you know, we're investing a lot in the tools that we use. I just mentioned like like Zoom, Slack, etc. But there, there are many other tools uh, that we're using in order to make sure we're communicating well and uh, really having fun to work together in a collaborative way. And one of the things that's probably quite unique for Verbit is that workforce of, I think you said, 35,000 freelancers that, that work across the globe. How do you approach communicating and engaging with that vast number of people? So we we kind of dividing it to like few elements. One is like how you recruit those people, right? How you create the awareness, which kind of people you recruit, etc. So we have a team just focusing on recruiting the new transcriber. Then we have a team onboarding the new transcribers. Right? So once they got accepted, we've all the tutorial, really explaining them what to do, how like what we expect from them. But so we streamline the process, but still there are people that are in charge of like the training, let's put it this way, and the qualification of like the the transcriber and then like you have the third group is more about the monitoring and ensuring the quality 
So like, okay, if a transcriber messed up once, you give them a warning, you messed up twice, this is the last warning, and then the third time he or she is out, right? So like you don't play games. And then like, and we explain them really carefully at the training and the onboarding. Yeah, this is what we expect. You're going to have a team that constantly monitoring your performance to ensure that we're giving to our customer Top quality, we obviously build a lot of IP around that. It's not like someone is reviewing all their work. So, you know, a lot of technological tools to help us uh, to do so. This is how you kind of professionalize in each element. And this is how you, you manage the 35,000. And switching from internal comms to, to external, how do you view your role as, as an external spokesperson representative of the business and yeah, is there anything that specific that you've learned, you know, along the way? Oh, sure. So I, I'm the face of the company, right? So I'm the founder, I'm the CEO. Uh, so all the eyes on me and like they really expect me to be this visionary leader that really uh, know how to uh, articulate well the, the story. And I think, you know, what you said about what, what I learned is that eventually it's all about storytelling, right? If you know to tell your story well, to understand who is sitting in front of you, what they like, right? So investors, sometimes they are more financial people and sometimes they are more tech product people, right? So you need to understand, okay, this guy is more techy product, so you need to focus on that, make them excited. I said, oh, this guy is more a banker, kind of, okay, you know, this is our revenue model, business model, this is how we bring customers, this is how we move money, this is the potential could be. So, so you know, you really need to understand who is sitting in front of you and how to articulate well the story that will resonate with them. And you need to practice a lot. I think I did it, you know, more than 1,000 times and I still really enjoyed the, to tell the story uh, whenever I need to do it again. And what's been the biggest communication challenge that you faced along the journey? Oh, so once you, if you remember, we discussed about the, the people in the management team that um, not necessarily are suitable to the growth phase that you're in right now. So having those uh, conversations with, with the managers that are not necessarily suitable for the phase of the company right now, so you need to tell them either, okay, I'm bringing someone that you're now going to report to, right? Like he is going to be in charge and you're going to report to him or like just saying, look, it, it doesn't work uh, well, you know, we hired someone else and, you know, we need to say goodbye. So those kind of uh, communication always really difficult for me. And how do you overcome them? How do you face those? Uh, with a lot of grit and uh, empathy also. And um, eventually the way to overcome it is like, look, my role and always, I think, is, is, is kind of on top of my agenda. What is the best interest for Verbit? Like, I'm not taking any uh, decision that it's good for Tom, etc. Like, always, what is the best interest of, of the company in mind? And this is how you get the decision. And if you get, look, this is the right thing, uh, you know, for the company. And then it can make it easier for, for everyone to get an alignment around that. Tom, we've got one final question for you that we've asked all our um, unicorn leaders in this uh, series. If you were to go back in time and speak to your old self, what guidance about communications uh, would you give yourself? And also what steps would you encourage yourself to take in order for you and the business to excel in communications? So if I'll tell back to myself, so 
patience is not my strongest uh, characteristic. So when you are communicating, you need to be more patient, to listen more carefully, etc. And not think that you know everything. And and sometimes you you do really uh, impulsive uh, response and decisions. So maybe more kind of. Uh, Okay, to think about it more and not just say whatever you have in mind, so to be more calm and feel free before you, you really answer anything. So I think this is an important one that I'm kind of learning uh, over the years. I'm still not perfect, obviously, but like, yeah, this area that I think I managed to improve over time since I was younger. I was like really uh, zero patience, getting everything done, and here you're more relaxed and, and, and balanced. I think eventually communication, this is one of the key factors that affect the performance of the business, right? So if you, you communicate clearly, you really uh, make sure that everyone understands what they need to do, why they need to do it, and how to do it. So it makes everything really easy. So don't underestimate, you know, to communicate communi- and over-communicate now if you're even with like working remotely or hybrid, etc. So in order to to make sure you are communicating correctly, so sometimes even over-communicate, right? Like it's not the same that, you know, people sitting next to you, now it's all about the, the Zoom, Slack, whatever. So you need to make sure that sometimes people misunderstand the way you, or like when they read it, they think that you, you actually understand it in the wrong way so you need to understand the messages are correct and you know i think i think if everyone needs to, to to make it better to excel is more around okay treat it as something like very important as a priority and kind of be professional in it i don't think we are still thinking about uh, communication in general at the level of like top professionals right but we we need to get there and you know, whenever you have a meeting, Zoom meeting, in-person, presentation, etc., you need to really make sure you're investing in tools and everything and you know how to communicate as a professional. And then, you know, everyone will look at you uh, and will respect you this way and this is how we can win. Tremendous. Tom uh, Livney, thank you so much for taking the time to join us online and record uh, today's episode. Really appreciate it. Holly, thoughts on what Tom had to say? Yeah, what a fantastic chat. I think one of the things that that shone through in a lot of the answers and and points that Tom made was that importance when you're building a company of investing in the basics. So from investing in those the right tools in the start, investing in the right people for the moment of the of the company's growth, the right product development, investing in comms techniques and and building a right culture. I think one of the key things that you can always think about when when building a fast growing company is those things can come later. But actually, I think kind of a real testament to Verbit's success is that they focused on those really core elements up front that's kind of set them up for for that fast growth and, and better success more quickly. And I picked up on the bit him talking about doing something that you enjoy, which obviously yes. is going to make such a difference, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Like how he's built that that a clear passion for the area of transcription but I loved how it was born out of a really frustrating moment for him so he was frustrated as a lawyer because of the service and he's he's built this huge company and, and passion area off the back of that 
Definitely. 24 interviews down. Um, so that's actually it for this latest episode that we're um, producing with Taito. If you want to find out more about Verbit, then their website is very simply verbit.ai. We'd love to hear your comments on today's chat. You can do that by sharing them on our Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter feeds, or you can do it in the comments on the YouTube version of this podcast. Those are all linked from the top of the website at csweetpodcast.com, uh, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, plus links to where you can follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via the likes of Spotify and Apple. And if you like what you heard, please do give us a positive rating and review. Uh, we're, of course, available on all podcast apps. Just search for the C-Suite podcast, hit follow or subscribe. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to the Without Borders podcast from our partners at Taito. All the details for that are on their website. Just head to taitopr.com and click on the podcast link in the top nav bar. And while you're there, you can also download a copy of Growing Without Borders, the Unicorn CEO Guide to Community communications and culture Uh, it's a great overview of the first 15 of our unicorn interviews if you are a unicorn leader yourself and you'd like to be part of this series please do get in touch via the contact form on the website at csweetpodcast.com plus of course anyone can get in touch with any feedback you may have and finally you can also reach me via twitter using at russ goldsmith or you can find me on linkedin but for now thanks for listening and goodbye